Hey, Sam, on this podcast, we seem to drink a lot of coffee, don't we? We are fans of the coffees. Yes. Well, and the reason why we do is we do our we do our podcast early in the morning. And so coffee becomes a particular part that we need. And it seems that we drink covert coffee made by Brian and Amy Fowler more than any other coffee. It doesn't seem like it. We are fans, big fans of covert coffee, covertcoffee.com. Why, Tim? You tell him why. Why are we fans of this? For a lot of different reasons. One, they're a micro roaster. He makes it in his house, so you know that there's a lot of care. Secondly, Brian is obsessed. He doesn't do anything without going all the way. And so he sources his beans responsibly and he roasts exactly the way each bean needs to be roasted. I mean, he doesn't so roast true. each bean. He doesn't roast each bean individually. <laughs> that seems excessive. But it just he, seemed like every bean comes wrapped in the love that Brian has shown it. And you, you, when you're brewing it, you can sense that someone really cared. From the very sourcing to the very roasting to the packaging, the the way it arrives in your home. When I get listen, when I get a bag of covert, it's like Christmas. It's like coffee Christmas at home. It's amazing. <laughs> do you do, you do I, an unboxing I, on your YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say that, uh, like you said, watching Brian work his his uh, coffee machine is watching somebody at the very logical end of coffee love there's there's no other place to go he goes all the way it's awesome and speaking of that coffee love i think you've got a couple pounds of my coffee at your house right now when am i going to get those uh sometime in the near future month or two after i'm <laughs> done with the after they're gone i deliver the empty bags to you so uh, get, awesome. your, well, get your you tell them no you tell them we can't even do an advertisement correctly. Listen it's to horrible. us. It's, well, we can hardly introduce the podcast, right? Listen, if you love coffee, go to covertcoffee.com and order some up from Brian and Amy. They'll send it right out to you, and you will be happy that they did. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim. Sam, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Tim? It's, it's been a while. see you, man. It has been a while. It's been like, what, 10 days? 10 days at least since we last recorded, dear listener. So, but we're back. Why? That because means we're committed to you. Is that why? To providing I've, you quality content. I thought you just missed me. Yeah, that too. That too, brother. I've missed talking to you. Listen, a few things have been going on. The world has been changing a little bit. We're in California. We're in some new uh, stay-at-home orders. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's curfew. 10 p.m. Curfew. curfew, too. 10 p.m. Uh, curfew curfew to, to 5 a.m., which is a problem for me because I often get to the office before 5 a.m. And technically, I shouldn't be at the office. Well, no, no. As the curfew is for, for public places. You understand? For bars, yeah. Yeah. bowling alleys, restaurants. And Which I know that shame. you frequent all three of those I, I after 10 p.m. and before 5. Bars at 3 so. a.m. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I will say this, though. Um, yeah, California's in the midst of it. And they, they broke California up into five regions now. Yeah. Rather than just counties, five regions. We're in the Southern California region, which I think means that new stay-at-home order goes in place today. So today? Yeah, for us. Because oh, we've okay. got 
because it's what 85% capacity of ICU beds. Yeah. And that's it's the purplest of purple. For those who don't the, know, the California is using it's the color, bruise on the bruise. It's that dark part of the bruise when you get a bruise <laughs> that's like really purple. That's what we are. Um, no, listen, when we were talking, one of our one of our pastors works at um, works at the VA hospital as a chaplain. He does some just um, per diem stuff at the mm. at the ho- hospital, the VA, and they are putting out ten beds for non VA COVID patients. Oh wow! In really? anticipation, in anticipation of the overload that our other hospitals in the area are going to take. So, and you work wow. in healthcare, you know that the numbers are. Yeah, our, our numbers are significant. Our system, I was telling you earlier, our system um, had a, a dramatic spike in COVID positive cases. So basically, we it took us from March to October to go to get to ten thousand positive cases inpatient. Wow. Um, and from October to now, we're now at close to 14,000. So that gives you an idea of how quickly this is, uh, this is accelerating. So we, look, we don't want to make light of this. I, I know I sound no. kind of chuckly about the, the stay-at-home rules, but we, we need to do something to slow this down. We yeah, do. Wear, wear so a mask. If, uh, wear a mask. Stay put if you don't have to go somewhere. Uh, uh, distance. Don't, don't, all of don't, it. Hang out, don't hang out with your elderly parents or grandparents like let them i you know listen i think we had to stop our outdoor services at church yeah i wanted to ask you about that yeah we stopped ours we stopped ours until february um simply because like we believe loving well is making sure that nobody um that that we're not we're not adding to the spread of the disease now just for the record the stay-at-home order does not include outdoor church services you can still do it but we had one of our musicians who tested positive the next day for COVID after one of our services. And, mm-hmm. you know, luckily nobody got it, but I know of, I know of churches who have done, you know, just like the recording of their music and every single person in the room got COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause one person mm-hmm. had it asymptomatic, didn't know. So like we're, we're going to be careful. And if people think that that's silly, then that's okay. They can think that that's silly, but I, I would like to go to bed at night knowing that I wasn't responsible for putting on an event where people um, got sick and possibly died. I just don't want to be responsible for that. And so I think loving well is, is, you know, we can listen, listen, we can do this. We can, we can do it online. We can, we can still find community through digital means at this point. Um, if, if your whole f- faith hinges on the idea of coming together in a room and singing and listening to one person live that's weird right yeah. that's a very frail or fragile faith not saying that not saying that that's not important of course it's important we made our careers doing that but um but things are different now and we're just going to have to lean into that difference a little bit yeah good i support i support the decision even though i was th- thoroughly thoroughly blessed and enjoying my uh, outdoor service routine on Sabbath afternoons uh, yeah. in Redlands. It was so good. Your team did such a good job putting that together. Um, I was enjoying that, but but not. I would not enjoy, you know, seeing people walk away uh, COVID positive. Also, no. So, I just, yeah. I just think it's important that we be careful. So we're gonna be. Hey, but you know what? As we're recording this, we're days or three days ago or four days ago. Vaccines are being announced, and I think I think we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're beginning to see glimmers, maybe not light, but glow 
a little yeah. glow in the a distance. A little glow. There's a there's a shadow because there's a little bit of light coming. There's a little bit of a light source. Yeah. So the shadow's gray, not it's not just black, right? There's some differentiation. I don't need to go. Let's go to so. physics. Uh, let's give <laughs> there's some photons escaping through <laughs> to our our visual cortex or receptors. Yeah, I hope so. To. And I and I really hope, and I think this is important for faith community leaders, I really hope that they lead the charge with this. Mm. Like, I'd be happy to have our church be a place where people could come get vaccines. Um, you know, I was talking to I was talking to a healthcare professional, a physician, the other day, and I was like, well, you know, what do you think of the vaccines? And he's like, are you kidding? I'm getting Pfizer in one arm, and I'm getting <laughs> Moderna or Anteca, whatever that other one is, on the other arm. He's like, we're going to... He's like, I want to get this done because we want to get back to it's fascinating to mm. me that the people who are so anti this kind of stuff are the ones who are fighting so hard to get back to normal. But it doesn't, they don't seem to understand that that to get back to normal, you have to do these things. You mean you mean people who are fighting do not want the vaccine? They don't want the vaccine. They don't want masks and they just want things to be back to normal. Yeah, that seems yeah. like a disconnect, a disconnect to me. But, I, you know. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast who are like, wait. Eh, yeah, I know, I know, I but know. That's okay. I, you know. I, look, the, the whole vaccine subject is, uh, to, look, in my home and in my mind is settled, but yeah. I know a lot of people who aren't. Uh, right. So, so yeah, I would, I'm trying to be pastoral about this, but I have pretty strong convictions about, uh, you know, a vaccine is going to help us get through this. Yeah. I have strong convictions. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same hey. way, but hey. All right. So, what are we talking about today, Sam? No. Yes. What are we talking about today? No, you're you're we decided you were gonna tell us what we're talking about today, Tim. Okay, remember? so we've been on this in our yes. extensive planning for this I do remember. This this professional podcast. Our extensive planning feels more like chatting. <laughs> Have you we noticed chatted that? for we chatted for an hour before we said, <laughs> should we record today? <laughs> should, should we push the red button? The whole thing is the whole thing. Okay, you ask the question. Go. You know like what? That's you, you know what, dear listener. I I think um sometimes I'm we spend an hour and I know the tidbits you miss some some important tidbits. I know you do. So yeah. we need to be more disciplined about hitting the record button before. Right. Uh, before an hour elapses, it an hour goes by. You just des- you deserve that, <laughs> dear listener, because you support us both emotionally, spiritually, financially. What do you mean financially? Who's supporting us financially? <laughs> I think anyone's supporting financially. <laughs> I think we've gotten a few bags of coffee out of this so far. <laughs> and I remember yeah. asking people for houses and nobody's come through. I was thinking about that the other day. It's like, why am I still well, living in the house that I started in? Because we've yeah, been doing this yeah. for like six months. I mean, at this point, we should be able yeah. to move out of our houses into mansions. I mean, that's what happens with podcasters, right? They make that. We, we're just not good at monetizing our our wisdom and our inspired observations Tim. now nah, in all seriousness we do it for the love friends but if you do want to make a donation um is there a donation button anywhere uh you can give support our work? well you no, no. <laughs> i don't think they, they could give to us at this point i don't think there is i mean you can give to crosswalk church because right now all this is managed through crosswalk church yes so you can give it and you can put in a line item you can say for podcast yes work do. and equipment so do that. Good. Yeah. Go to crosswalkvillage.com slash give. Um, and 
if you want to give to a podcast, just write it in the notes and it can go in that direction. Hey, that's what we can Great. do. Great. Through hey. the Subsplash app. Uh, if you want, and if you want to send uh, gold bullion or uh, sacks of grain or whatever else you want to donate, um, sacks of grain. <laughs> I don't know what. Fi- I don't listen. Want I'm bartering. Chickens, I don't know how, if you want I don't chickens, know how to barter. <laughs> the chickens, <laughs> the chickens. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so no, let's get started. So let's we're ta- we're on we're on this one project journey, as they say, and. Um, that's right. I had somebody hit me up and say, you know, I can't even say the word journey anymore because of your podcast. <laughs> Just say it. Say it. I, I literally can't say it. It has to be journey. Um, I was like, sorry. And, he, and, and this person was like, I laugh every time I say the word now. <laughs> like it's, it's a pain, actually. They're like, it's a pain because I always laugh. Anyway, um, so we've been talking about the one project. We talked with Alex. We talked with JFit. We could talk to a lot more people, and maybe we will. I don't know what our what our we don't want to we don't want to beat a dead horse here. But um, mm-hmm. we did think that today maybe we talk about some learnings that have come from from this, like some best moments, maybe Sam, and some learning that you think, and maybe what's changed. Has the one project changed anything in our estimation? Yeah. 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 Oh, so you're asking me that? You're, you're, I don't you're know. I just asked, me. I asked like, ah, Yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to spend a little more time, yeah, processing uh, one project stuff. So, um, Tim, yeah, I mean, let's, I think, let's begin with, let's begin with things that you definitely, you know, definitely changed. Things that you know were, will always be before and after one project. Uh, so, B top yeah, so and I, and I think A-top. we talked about, I think we talked, is that what we're calling it? A, B top and A top. What? Before, Before and after. And after. Yeah. B top and A top. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like that, Sam. Um. So before, listen. This is what I think. We've talked about a little bit personally, and obviously there was a pretty significant change in our life and and in our lives as as ministers and as fathers and as husbands and as you know people of Christ. Um, but I think, listen, I think the first thing we changed was the language of the church in North America. Mm-hmm. I think we, mm-hmm. I think we had a significant impact on that. And, um, people were not speaking as clearly about Jesus. Um, even from like, you know, titles of titles of camp meetings and sermon mm-hmm. series titles. And I think we did bring in some respects a higher Christology into the Seventh-day Adventist church from 2010 on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I it, it, it's, it's hard to quantify or how to measure it, but, but I do, I do remember seeing uh, two years into it, all of this, all of this public, the publications, titles, um, quintennial themes for departments in the GC and everything. Um, there were moments when it actually felt r- straight up like a ripoff. Um, yeah. The one and the one thing and, you know, um, just, just also, Jesus, just Jesus. There was a lot Jesus. of one. You're right, though. There was a lot of one language. Yeah. That Until, of course, we became the controversial people and then everyone just wanted to distance themselves for anything that sounded kind of like the one project. <laughs> the, then also the round table, everything I've been to since <laughs> we invented round tables, every, every <laughs> event, every camp meeting, everything, just suddenly <laughs> everyone jumped on the round table thing. <laughs> uh, 
that was uh, a weird I, uh, that was a weird phenomenon for a while, wasn't it? That was yeah. weird. People are like, the, and we're gonna like one project it up, like we're gonna have round tables. I'm like, is that is that our contribution? <laughs> You're welcome, world. One, but, but but in all seriousness, the I think that the the, the contribution is actually conversation that yeah. the, the people couldn't think of gatherings or get-togethers or seminars or camp meetings or anything um, without designing it in a someone's going to speak to you for an hour and then you're going to go home model. Um, apparently, the innovation, the, one of the biggest innovations was that we said, now nah, let's, let's, keep, let's keep the presenter, whoever that is, to a minimum. Uh, right. The presenter just presents some idea and then you get to discuss it in in a group of people who you may or may not know right. um that was that is the round table and that is i think a profound innovation yeah um yeah yeah the, the yeah. philosophy behind the round table not everybody got it some people just put round tables in and then didn't have discussions which is just a, <laughs> a less efficient way of watching a presentation but um yeah no uh, what, what i always thought was funny is how proud people were when like you'd go speak somewhere and they'd be like, we're going to, we're going to have the tables. I'm like, awesome. That's great. <laughs> I, I think that's so, uh, so wonderful. You know, what's funny about that? You know, what's funny mm -hmm. about that? Just real quick. Um, like, so I would, I would speak or whatever out of one project and then I'd go try and sit with my wife and she'd be sitting at a table. And usually after one discussion, she'd be like, can you, can you not sit with yes. me? Yes. Because just because I would dominate like I would have a tendency to dominate the table discussion, whether yeah. it was because I can't shut up, which is part of it, or whether it was because people realized like, oh, well, he's one of the presenters. He should, he can answer these questions. Yes, exactly. So she, yes. she would always look at me like, maybe not, maybe not here. Yeah. And, and again, for people who, people who attended one projects and the, the, the optics were not great of us presenters sitting at a different table by ourselves or, but, but, please understand that yeah the same thing happened to me i would the minute you were done presenting or even if before you presented because you're one of the founders or one of the people one of the insiders the minute you sit at a table it changes the dynamic of the table yeah and it did for me every time so i would try to join only at the end for the hand blessing um right which was um something i never wanted to miss and i wanted to do with people honestly and with my wife you know I, I and i think that. that i think that the the blessing of the hands was a um you know along with communion i think that's something that we i think that that was something new like you know anointing at the end mm. of a meeting i think that's something that we haven't necessarily we hadn't seen a lot of and that was really was that jay Fitz thing was that danny no hernandez danny thing? danny hernandez brought it yeah yeah that was a danny you know danny danny did it at our very first right. one project in atlanta in 2011 and it it was such can i tell you can i tell you some some can yeah. i tell you some so when danny first said he was going to do it i thought why, why are you asking <sighs> a question of can you tell me something in a podcast that's literally all we're doing is telling each other things <laughs> yes of course you can tell me something <laughs> i just remember thinking danny that sounds kind of hokey <laughs> i don't know if people are gonna like that man i don't know if they're <laughs> gonna be blessed by that and then and then when we did it I, it was one of the most, I mean, I, it, and, and ever since then, every time there's yeah. something transcendent that happens that we were all in tears and yeah. I mean like ugly tears, like, like no, it was mucus coming out yeah. of our nose is kind of, kind of weeping at the power of having 
someone spread oil in your hands and 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 tell you your hands are blessed their hands are blessed and you're blessed to to go live out the, the be the tangible hands hands and feet of jesus in the world so you know um i think that was an innovation i don't call it innovation that was meaningful that that practice that we kept doing and i remember one year we skipped it and it was as if we had yeah as if we had broken i uh, mean it was uh, a sacred trust that people yep. had placed in us to walk were, away with anointed hands <laughs> none too happy none too happy no that's uh, true huh no that was not, a good we're one. not really anointing people our 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 tradition has no, not been we're an not, anointing we're not a, kind of people yeah we're not really we don't even really we use ha- that word very often we we use it when you're dying or when yeah. we know when we know your days are numbered um that's when everyone comes together and that's when we practice anointing but that's not i mean that's if we go biblical on this anointing was way more common right uh than that uh anointings were for a whole lot of a range of different uh, things right uh for task for leadership for um yeah protection um yeah, so I think that was unusual for people who are coming to the One Project, which is why they found it meaningful. I think if we had had people from other faith traditions there at the beginning, they would have been like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is what <laughs> we do. Also, also healthcare, by the way. Healthcare, as I'm finding out, um, the healthcare has a tradition of doing that a lot. Oh, that makes sense. The, the blessing awesome. of the hands thing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so what else? What else do you think changed? I, I for think... Me? Well, I was going to, I was asking the question a little rhetorically because I have one. Sorry. Go. Um, I think the theological influence was actually pretty important. If you want to know the truth. I think, I think the Christological emphasis helped direct this church back to a little bit more Christianity. And maybe it just, it just, it strengthened a divide between those who, those who saw their first priority to be Christ rather than the tribe. Um, but I think, I think it clarified for people, maybe, man, maybe this is bad. What camp I'm in question mark or, you know, quote unquote question mark. That's weird. Um, mm. but, but I, I think people felt like, um, I think people felt like, Oh, there's a group of people that, that, that it, they have the same priority that I do. That's really important. You know, because I remember that first time in Atlanta, we looked around the room and went, there's a bunch of us feeling the same way. There's 167 or whatever of us feeling the same way. Maybe, maybe we're not alone. Maybe we're not crazy. All of a sudden it was a different, mm-hmm. it was a different ball game. I thought. Yeah. 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 It, I, I, I would agree with you. Although part of that is, uh, you know, in my, my better nature would like to say, yeah, we influenced it. We, we, we maybe... We, we just sort of pushed a Titanic with our hands a little bit into right. a different course, just a little bit. Uh, but my, my, my not better nature, I think, would agree with you about strengthening the divides. Maybe we just helped to, um, for people to find, to identify more clearly, oh, okay, this is what's happening right. in, in this denomination. Um, which, which I always think that the conservatives, if you will, for lack of a better term, they figured out what we were doing what, before maybe we knew. They figured out the, the, the danger, quote unquote, 
of what we were doing before we did. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting way to put it, Tim. That's a, that's well, a very interesting way. Well, this is my what, take on it. What did they right? figure out? So, so this, they figured out that this was not what they were preaching. Hmm. So we got labeled, you know, every kind of name in the book. We got labeled Jesuit. We got labeled spiritualists. We got, you know, mystics, whatever. Like the list goes on and on of what we were labeled. Because the one label they couldn't call us, which is what I think we were leaning towards, was Christian. Yeah. So, so I mean, I remember Alex sat in some conference they were having against us. He went down to it and sat there and he heard he heard the guy say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all they talk about. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Which like... Any Christian worth their salt would be like, and the problem yeah. is, but, but so they couldn't, they couldn't call us Christian, which is what we were leaning towards in a more profound, I think, <clears throat> maybe, maybe delineated manner. So what they did is they came up with every other name in the book, which was great because it couldn't stick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were yeah. like, oh, they're, you know, something's nefarious here. They're baiting and switching, which we really weren't. We were just, honestly, like we were just talking about Jesus. And so I think that that created, um, I think that created some issues. Here, here's what's fascinating, man. I don't know that I understood that clearly until I was reading Rick's book, his new book on open theism, kind of the history of open theism and maybe the trajectory of it, Rick Rice's book. Um, mm -hmm. I just picked that up a few weeks ago and I've been reading it. Fascinating. So good. But it, he said... He said when they came up with open theism and they were really beginning to push it, proponents of it, they didn't realize the impact as much as the people who were against it. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's that's a big parallel for us. Like we didn't realize yeah. that the the quote unquote danger is the wrong word. And I gotta stay stop saying quote unquote, but um the danger is not the right word, but the impact that it could have talking about Jesus because they weren't. And they knew yeah, it wasn't well, what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh, we're we're working it out. We're working it out with while recording. Right. I do. I do think that one of us understood, and it's probably the oldest of us, uh, Terry Johnson. Remember yeah. him leaning over? I think I may nope, have talked about Terry this Johnson. Terry Swenson. Swenson. Sorry, there's a Johnson too, who's a dear friend. And right. So. Do you remember, have I mentioned this already in the podcast the day that when we finished the first one project in Atlanta and we're all sitting enjoying the, the afterglow of this, the, the, you know, the, 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 what we had just experienced and, and Terry leaned over to me and said, or he actually said it out loud. He said he it said, out loud. They're going to come for us. Yeah. And, and we were all like, Ugh. I actually said, Terry, why, why do you sound like one of those? you know Japanese soldiers that didn't know the war was over hiding in a cave in a South Pacific island do you that's crazy talk you're like crazy Uncle Terry right now don't don't talk that way and what I couldn't what I couldn't have known is that Terry he just had insight he knew right he knew what we're saying here um there's gonna be great opposition to this yeah great opposition to this look I I, I find this fascinating that that um that the 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 radical right I wouldn't call them conservatives because I I think conservative I mean I I would call it the radical radical right wingers immediately knew probably what we were up to right. and what we were up to is um and the only way they could actually get traction with their attacks is by trying to figure out what we were not saying 
rather than what we were saying. And that's, right. I think, what became the nature of every publication, every, I mean, it was either wrenching things violently out of context or claiming that we didn't say something that should have been said. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Hey, can I... So, is this story time? I, yeah, please. Do you remember the whole um, premarital sex um, scandal that I got into in the middle <laughs> of all this? <laughs> yeah, but you should probably explain it just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This will okay. be so, this will be fun. This will be fun, everybody. This is going to be story time. Yeah, story time. Yeah, and it's long, so settle back and relax for a minute. So, <clears throat> this, is a, this I think this is an example of the kind of thing that we live through that Terry was preparing us for or, or trying to warn us about that none of I don't I don't know if you believed them, but I didn't. I thought you're crazy. Right. So um I spoke at an event, a, a camp meeting. I'm gonna say names on the East Coast. <laughs> that's where I that's where I'll leave it. Right. For a group of young adults, not youth, not high school students, but for young adults who are supposed to be college and beyond. You know, in in our denomination, young adults in some places could be 45, 50 year olds who just don't want to feel old, right? So right. the room was full of people from their 20s, maybe early 20s to 45, 50 year olds. Um, and during this, this week, one of my presentations, because someone asked, was about premarital sex in, in scripture. So right. my, you know, I, I, I went through every text that I could, that I could find or had time to study and prepare for that talks about uh, sexuality and sexual purity in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And what I said to the group was, look, because one of you is basically, your question is, hey, does the Bible say that premarital sex is a sin? Because I think it's a wrong question to begin with. Right? This is, you, the premise of the question is messed up already. So I said that, I said, look, you're, you're asking the wrong question. Um, but if you want to know, if you're going to spend your days looking for evidence in the Bible that permits whatever thing you're doing that you feel somehow not uneasy about, or maybe the Holy Spirit is, is, is troubling you about, uh -huh. then your, your, your entire approach to the spiritual life needs to be, you need to pop the hood and rework that. Because that's, it's, it's just mm -hmm. not healthy. Right? We need to mature from that approach. I go into the Bible to try to figure out if, if it's okay to do heroin or pot or whatever does the bible actually name them by name which by the way i have i have encountered people asking me that over and over and over again um doesn't the bible say that every herb and everything you know plant of the field is for you to eat um which could mean smoke um and my response is that's not how we use the bible that's not what it, anyway so so what i said is look the bible never specifically names premarital sex between a single man and a single woman it doesn't name it F find it and even now my dear listener mm -hmm. i know some of you are scrambling to your bibles to try <laughs> to find to try to prove this podcast are wrong um but unfortunately you're not going to find it you're going to find every other example like every other um this is a this is a family podcast so i'm going to be <sighs> Every other possible configuration of sexual immorality named, but that, but those two are not named, right? So um, I said this, and then I said, but hey, 
here's the good news is that God calls us to God calls it doesn't it's not named not because it's it's not wrong it's not named because God's not gonna I don't think in the scripture is gonna include every possible there's no list extensive enough to include every possible configuration of sexual immorality right which is why Jesus said it begins in your heart Right. That immorality begins in your if you look at if you look at a woman with lust, that something's something's in in your heart is wrong. You've got to work on that first. So so you know, we can spend our days going hand to hand, hand to mouth, uh whatever, uh, uh, uh engaged, not engaged, dating seriously, uh married, whatever. It's or we can say the gospel the the, the Bible and Paul's writings, by the way, condemn any porneo, any right. sexual immorality. I took an hour to explain this. <laughs> and I thought I had said, we need to raise the bar higher than just saying premarital sex. Right. We need to say no to sexual promiscuity. We need to say no to emotional promiscuity, by the way, which no one talks about. Right. Uh, like, no, one, no one talks about emotional abstinence, which is, which is a massive problem. Right. Um, we need to just raise the bar everywhere. Okay, so I'm done with this. <laughs> and two or three weeks later, I get an email from somebody saying, the email said, hey, here's a clip that someone sent me from one of your presentations that clearly says you are advocating that young people have premarital sex. <laughs> I listened to the clip and... Because it's a 14-second clip, Tim. Ugh. And it and it clearly, you can hear me saying, you can have marital sex. <laughs> but because the person who, again, violently wrenched that little 14 seconds out of context, because they, they were so careful to, I mean, if they had not cut exactly at four sec, 14 seconds, you would actually hear the rest, which wow. clearly is not what I said. That's just a hatchet job. That's all that is. Yeah. But this 14-second clip, and maybe some of you listeners heard it, went around the world. It got posted everywhere. A matter of fact, there were weeks following that where I got the clip on average five to ten times a day from somebody who I knew saying, hey, man, you got to explain yourself. Jeez. Something's going on. I mean, it got... It, it was... It became months and months of this, this drama of the premarital Samuel Nor promoting premarital sex. <laughs> Every it went viral. It was crazy. So, and then the, and then the place that invited me sent me this condemning letter saying, "How could you have said this to our young people?" <laughs> I was like, "Well," so I actually wrote that group back. I engaged selectively with this because I knew this is out of control. Right. I wrote I wrote that group back and I said, "Look." Did you hear the whole sermon? Did your committee that drafted this letter hear the whole sermon? Um, and they never responded, but a member of that committee who is a friend of mine said they did not. But they went back and listened to the whole thing. And, but, and some of them apologized for having sent the letter to me, but not to you. So <laughs> that was fascinating. So in the middle of all this, I told you it's a long story. I'm almost done. Um, it is in the lead up to the 2015 general conference in in San Antonio. Mm. Right, the big church 
every five year big get together right uh I'd, to which i had been invited to speak twice first to a group of junior hires <laughs> <laughs> and second to young adults and so apparently there were meetings I, be, I became such a radioactive, controversial figure because of this. Uh, uh, uh. There were meetings everywhere about this. And I got a phone call from a, I'll just say it, a, a vice president of the general conference one day. I was, and I can tell you exactly where I was. I was sitting by a pool in Orlando. Nice. <laughs> visiting my parents. When I get this phone call from this individual saying, hey, I have been asked to spend some time with you helping you helping guide you through what the words in scripture the greek words porneo actually mean in scripture um before we can actually give a go-ahead to you speaking at the general conference sessions in san antonio are you kidding no man so what you happened? do? what'd you do i sat for an hour of of pretty a pretty condescending hour of do you understand what this means do you <laughs> agree with this? Do you? And you know, the whole time I was like, yeah, I, first of all, I mean, my, at that time, 12 year old son can Google, well, I don't want him to Google Porneo, but, right. but you can do a, a quick search on Greek and translate the word Porneo and find out that that doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't say premarital sex between a, a male right. and, a, and a female. It actually, right. is, it, the translation is sexual immorality. Right. That's it which is an umbrella for everything that is immoral. Um, anyway, but I said, I just, I, I allowed this meeting to happen, this hour long lecture to happen, condescending lecture to happen because I just wanted, I just wanted it to end. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this, this is how you do it. You just sit through a meeting like this. And at the end of it, you say, yes, sir. And it goes away. But it didn't. <laughs> that thing stayed alive for at least another year. Are you serious? Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, it just it dropped off after a year. But I bet you, even to this day, if you Google that, you could probably find. Didn't find you finally the, speak to the person who did the cut? You did, right? I did. How'd so, that go? Okay, so, 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 at the general conference session, actually, it was the the pastor's meetings before the general conference, the NAD, mm -hmm. the North American division had these, these, this ministerial meetings. I was there for a couple of days and I, I think it was a Holy spirit thing <laughs> because someone out of the blue said to me, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know that the person who actually wrenched those 14 seconds out of your, of your sermon is here and here's their name. <laughs> I was like, are you, this is awesome. So, because at that at that time I was on a hey, I I am going to repair. I'm going to try to repair every relationship here, right? With everyone who's accusing me of of these incredible claims, these incredible things. Um, I made contact with the individual, and I asked for a meeting, and and um, and this is not an, no. this is not an insignificant individual, correct? No, no, I want to. I know we're not going to say wanna, who it is, but yeah. No. Yeah. So they said no. They, they said did not. No, they, they wouldn't meet. With they, you. they said they didn't, they didn't see a need to meet about it, which 
which is ah, I was so disappointing. And I, you know, and there were so many that did that to him, and so many that actually did agree to meet. And the meetings changed everything, by the way. Yeah. So I pursued it. I said, hey, I'm not gonna give up because I think I think you owe me an explanation. And I think it's I think it's a Matthew 18 thing for us to meet and talk about this. Mm-hmm. So he finally agreed, and he he agreed to do it in a public place. Like I was, <laughs> maybe I was gonna attack him. <laughs> and um, we had we had a really great conversation. Really, really great. At the end of which, I think so. He didn't agree to send an apology that went viral. I mean, he wasn't. I don't know how you do that, but he, I think he. He agreed that he had done a wrong thing. Well, that's good. I, mean, I told him, I said, I said, you heard the whole sermon. Do you believe that I said that? And his answer was no, but I think you were confusing enough to young minds that they could have walked away with the wrong impression, which is why I felt the need to, to do this, to somehow that- counteract whatever damage I okay. feel you were, you would have done to somebody. Yeah, but that's fascinating, right? The what kind of theology do you have in your life that allows you to have, you know, that sort of means to justify that sort of ends? Honestly. It's, yeah, no, I d- definitely definitely unethical. Yeah. Definitely. And the kind of theology well, but the kind of theology we're describing is happening right now everywhere. Right. Isn't it? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and it, I, honestly, it's a thing that transcends theology, right? It's a worldview that is impacting a theology. Yes. You cannot, I don't believe you can do decent theology and get to where, quite honestly, North American Christianity has gotten to right now. Yeah. Say more, say more. Well, I don't want to get, I don't want to get all political, but, but some of the most, the most heinous things that we're seeing happen is, are coming from the Christian world. In, in North America, specifically in our politics. And um, there, I mean, even the things that are said cannot be said if you're a Christian. The way that they're being said cannot be said if you're a Christian. I don't believe, if you have good theology, if, you do, if you're doing theology. So what we're doing is we're not doing theology. What we're doing is we're putting a worldview and trying to spiritualize a worldview, and then that makes it okay. By the way, this sounds, there, there's a very fine line between this and fundamentalism. Right. Yeah. But but I think fundamentalism is often difficult to really believe in and 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 function with. So what you do, rather than being a fundamentalist, which is being 100 percent convinced that God agrees with you 100 percent, you take a worldview and put a fundamentalist filter over it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a pretty nuanced thing. So I don't even know if that makes any difference. But but um, you 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 put a fundamentalist world you know filter over your worldview and then you've all of a sudden spiritualized or 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 made righteous your worldview and then you can say whatever the heck you want to say however you want to say it or do do. and i think we're seeing that and i think i quite honestly and i'll say this honestly um the I, i believe that that christians in north america have lost their moral standing um yep. because of who they're supporting and how they're supporting that person and it's not even about it's not even about the, the, the policies yeah. it's not even about the policies it's about their willingness to give every moral fortitude that they had away and it tr- yeah, it troubles me yeah. it troubles me deeply and maybe maybe i've said too much and i don't i obviously it's not anyone who professes christ but 
but um, the name of Christ has been hurt in North America. Well, look, absolutely. And it's going to take, I think it's going to take generations or maybe it's irreparable uh, permanently with a lot of people um, yeah. um, to, re to recover from, from this. It's going to be very difficult um, and not to soften your, um, your critique, but um, I think it's, I think it's true on, on both sides. Sure. If you absolutely. speak of either political affiliation or political uh, leaning as the answer, uh, as, as a theological answer to the to the world's problems, right? That's man. That is the that's the conundrum we find ourselves in. And I look and I find the 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 story of King David having been used so often in the last four or five years mm -hmm. to describe why it's okay to have the you know abhorrent and repugnant behavior in a leader but yet they're accomplishing the purposes of god is is also as i've said in this podcast a couple of times grave misuse of scripture right and misunderstanding of scripture i think right i agree um so yeah man that's i think that uh, but that's not the only example of ends justifies the means that um that we live through right. the one I just, you know, my little story about this sexual right. immorality. Say thing more, that, say more, say more about that. Um, in, in, Oh no, in I, I, coherence with the one project. Yeah. Well, um, now first I want to say that this, this one ended, this one thing ended, ended well, because I think I ended up in, in a relationship with this individual, which is always the case. Once you make a connection with an individual, then then they cannot attack. You're no longer a theory or some kind of right. disembodied individual. They, you know, they they now know you as a right. as a as a husband, a pastor, a father. Or a, uh, you're a human, right? And and I think they're at some point they they finally reach into their heart and they find the 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 character of Jesus in them, and they know I cannot I cannot treat this brother that way. Mm -hmm. That's just that's not Christian. Right. And we were able to come to that place. Unfortunately, by then it had been like six months to a year of damage. Actually, a year. Wow. Is it a year of damage? It was like a, not nah, maybe not a year. It was a whole lot less than that actually, because I spoke in May, and this meeting happened in July. It was actually six or seven weeks. Actually, it went fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But the the damage lasted. I mean, it was, uh, and maybe to this day actually. There's been things that have been irreparably damaged. I think I think so because of the number of invitations to speak that were rescinded. Um, the more this controversy picked up, you know. Um, I, so with the justify ends justifies the means thing, Tim. I think there there were so many examples of people who clearly knew we were not saying what they were claiming we said. Right. Clearly, I mean, I I confronted yeah. several of them. I emailed one person. I said, "Do you know that what you said is not true? Like you, you actually, your the this blog post that I've been sent that you posted makes a completely false statement about me." So here's what they did: they actually deleted that false statement from their blog, and then emailed me back and said, "But someone, we have to do something to fight the flood of misinformation that you're sharing." Like, well. <laughs> But but you just admitted by deleting it from your blog that what you said was not true. 
So, I mean, do you see us as such an invasion, such a such a pollutant that that the the drastic measures you have to take include being being just speaking lies about who we are, yeah, and what we're yeah. saying. Um, that was that was difficult. You know that what's fascinating? You know what's fascinating? Because I know you you had a lot of these conversations. Um, I didn't have hardly any. <laughs> no, really, really. I didn't have hardly any. And I mean, there were people that I worked with who had said stuff online who I would go and talk to and be like, can we talk about this? And they'd be like, no. And I said, well, why'd you say that? You know, it's not true. Well, I don't know. I mean, I like you. Well, I don't know. I, that's it. Like nobody, very few people engage that conversation with me. And I've never quite understood why they were willing to to engage with you, but not me. Yeah, I don't either. That's a conundrum to me. Does that, that in all honesty, I wonder why. Well, I know that you you sought them out in much much more profound and gracious ways than I did. Um, and maybe, you know, my thing was like, if, okay, if we're gonna do this, let's let's do it. Let's have this conversation. I'm I'm ready, but like probably you know. It's a little more like a cage match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, I, I don't know if it's my personality makeup could not, I could not countenance a life in ministry or, a re, or living on the same planet Earth during this time in history with people saying things about me and about the things that I had preached that were so egregiously false hmm. and and damaging to my ministry and yours and all my friends. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't sit by and allow these things to be said. So I had lists, long lists of people who I contacted regularly and 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 uh, a lot of them responded and I got into a whole bunch of I th I think constructive conversations. And I'll tell you this Tim, the people who the people who would engage with me eventually stop the critiques right because they knew this is wholly inappropriate and is sinful to keep saying these things i think i mean that's that's my only conclusion wow. the ones that did not engage kept they doing they kept going or they that's, got worse that's fascinating man and I, I i have so much respect for you for doing that and i know i've said this before i have so much respect for you for doing that because i i don't know if i have that kind of makeup in my heart to do that like I don't know maybe I just don't like confrontation or I mean I think you handled in a way that was not conf confrontational I mean it was but it, but you were able to process people through that and really pastor people through through like you say the egregious things that they said to about us about our ministries here's what's interesting I never felt like my ministry got damaged by this mm. I mean I'm sure there were places where I was not asked to speak but that, that's fine. You know, I, I would only get asked after you said no most of the time anyway. So um, Stop. that's not true. <laughs> no. Um, but I never felt like, like there was a lot of damage to my ministry and maybe I didn't, I didn't seek it out too much, but I always felt like the things people were saying were so outlandish that if someone believed it, that's not really my problem. That's their problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, Sam, this didn't, and maybe I, we mentioned this before. I, when we were playing in the band, I didn't get a lot of it either. 
You know, the band, I, did, I don't think the band, well, the band resurfaced in the middle of the One Project stuff. Well, yeah, to, that's true. Because it got added to the long litany of grievances that people had against us. And Look did you guys. know, and did you know, they, they also, played music. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, there's all these profiles about us, by the way, online that I, I, I had to walk away from because I had to stop looking at them because I became obsessed. And this is maybe my problem, Tim, too, is that, is that, I, I, I just couldn't let things go. Really, I, I don't, I don't have that ability to just say I'm gonna let that go. Like if you, if I got a long email with, uh, with a, which I call, I mean, there were so many emails that people asking you need to explain this that you said. I, I just couldn't, I could not answer, and really? and I think maybe for some people, and I got, I was told often just don't answer, don't respond. Uh, I'm pretty but sure I, I, I said that a lot to you. Well, and maybe the, maybe it would have been wise to not respond to some of them who were not interested in in dialogue or engaging in any way. They were just interested in attacking. But I I do think that maybe the word damage is too strong. But I think our ministries maybe not maybe you don't feel this way. But I think I feel like my ministry was was shaped by my time in the in the one project and um, the way some people in the world in our denomination will always perceive me and you will be the one project guys. Yeah. This is what they did. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that there are regions in the world where I will never speak again. Yeah. Uh, that's because true. of our involvement in the one project. I, there, I have a long list of cancellations long. Yeah. Long, lots of people who, um, some of them were very gracious. They would just say, Hey, I just can't do it. This will create such drama in my, in my field for so long. I, we will not get anything done for the next however many years. And other people were not so gracious. They would just they would just say, "I'm canceling this. You're too controversial. See ya. Bye bye." Um, I had an entire conference in Australia who voted to not invite me back uh, because of my association with the One Project. I think I was so, on that list too, though. I think you were too, and I called that conference president yeah. to have a conversation with with him and i'm just going to say stuff now for our dear dear uh, australian uh, listeners so there was there was a vote and pastors in that conference were told you're not to invite sam lenore or tim gillespie so i i called this individual i got someone his number from somewhere and i called him and he did not own up to it really you know what his response was what his response was Nah, look, mate, we you're here too much. Like you've been to big camp and you've been to this church and that and we just felt like we needed to hear from different voices. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it was just like a okay. Good. <laughs> um but that's not true. Right. That's not what happened. Um so I look, I think that my my desire was always to find common ground. Mm-hmm. I felt like, look, if you and I could just, if you feel so strongly about me, it must all, it must also mean that you feel really strongly about, about our church, which I also feel. Mm-hmm. And that you must also feel really strongly about the salvation of, for them, it was always about young people because apparently we're, right. we were appealing to young people. Right. If you, if you care about people, about young people choosing a life with Jesus, if you care about their salvation, if you could hear me out and you saw that I also care about the same thing, I think 
that's common ground we can we can spend a few minutes on and you'll you'll walk away less panicked about whatever i'm saying mm-hmm. um and i also think that if if because the majority of these folks actually did not hear our our, our talks right if they could either experience the one project or hear what we were actually saying um we could lower the tension and lower the their the, their attacks uh, but for others it became a matter of how they supported themselves mm-hmm. they made a cottage yeah. industry out of uh, attacking us and uh, and for others i think it was just a hobby yeah i mean they 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 must have have had in much more else to do with life because to go through every single one of my sermons and and annotate almost every sentence with a rebuttal or um there's there's a like that's a love 50 page document sam that's love is what that is <laughs> i know honestly what else could that be that is obsession and love <laughs> i mean hey the opposite the uh, opposite of love is not hate the opposite of love is indifference man and that whoever did true. that wanted to spend a lot of time with you that's true oh, and they did i mean they know me better than i know myself probably um, that's a, that's amazing so you yeah. know what someone you know what someone said to me in the midst of it all um and i will never forget this it was nathan brown um from australia actually we we're out at a thai restaurant i think my son was with us um and we were having a conversation and he said he said well you have to know and i know that this is this did not originate with him but this is when it finally sunk in when he said these words and i'll be forever grateful he said you know you know the way that people are upset about what you're doing says a lot more about them than you and this this was particularly around there was some group of people that were saying this is a bait and switch it's a bait and switch they're talking about jesus but they're really not it's a bait and switch and they kept saying it and i was just like i you know i couldn't figure out what we were switching to and then later on that became the narrative is that they weren't switching to anything all they're doing is talking about jesus but nathan said you know it says a lot more about them than us and i went back and looked at these people who were um who were calling us nefarious and realized that their ministries were all bait and switch ministries. So what they were saying is, you know, these guys do what we do, but it's nefarious. Like they can't just be this honest about what they're actually talking about. And I always thought that was really interesting, man. Hmm. Um, And I'm I'm forever grateful for Nathan for saying that to me. He's, he's a good, he's a good brother and a thoughtful brother. Yeah. That has been very helpful as we've processed a lot of this. Hey, I want to look if, because we're probably, we're coming up to the, the hour i want to tell you i had many turning points in my in dealing with with this stuff and what i'm not making super clear is that it was hurtful yeah like it really 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 affected me and there were days when if we're going to be super real where when i thought is is this really worth it Mm -hmm. if this is my family right this is my spiritual family and Everything I'm doing right now is for the love of this family because I believe that, and it's been confirmed over and over again because of the behavior of this family, that um, that it needs rescuing, mm-hmm. right? Um, if this is how it treats a person, like if this is how it is for someone who cares, um, I I don't I don't want to do it anymore. Wow. I, I'm done with this. Um, 
and it, and it took you know some counseling and some time in processing the pain that I was being uh, that that was that I felt that I was um, that I had through through all this to uh, to to come to terms and come to a better place. Now I'll say this: there were turning points, and I remember one of them. I'll tell you about. Uh, it was in a um, so there was there was this traveling show is what i'll call it right you remember <laughs> it? Uh, oh yeah i know what you're going to talk about the tra the traveling anti-one project show um that went church by church across the nation and what on the one hand is flattering that a whole thing a whole weekend event was devoted to us <laughs> it was <laughs> it was also just so demoralizing so um i got wind that it was coming here to southern california mm-hmm and I decided I was going to go. Nice. I, I said, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to show up in person. They name me by name. I'm going to, I want to be there in person. So um, I decided to go to one session on a Sabbath afternoon. And on Sabbath afternoon, as I was getting in my car, I got cold feet up. <laughs> I, <got, laughs> I got scared. I'm like, I, I don't know what these people are capable of. And hey, all joking aside, at that point in one of those weekend seminars, we had been called termites. Right. That were inv invading the God's church and they needed to be dealt with. Right. <laughs> and and there were there were some you never know, some crazy right. radical person shows up with a weapon and sees you there. And anyway, so I called a friend. I said, Hey, you're coming with me to this. You don't have an option. We're doing this together. <laughs> so he agreed and and uh I gotta describe to you when I walked in, so th by this point, Sabbath afternoon, they've been through the group had been through, the church had been through Friday night, a whole session, Saturday morning, a session, and now they we're beginning of a third session. So they had heard a ton of stuff about us. Mm -hmm. And they'd seen tons of pictures of us. So we're easy to identify. Right. Meaning that when I walked into the church, and I walked in a little late, the church was packed. The minute I stepped in, it was a sip. Can you imagine that, Tim, the, the guy they've been talking about, one of them is in the church. <laughs> so, and there's nowhere to sit because it's packed. So, so we had to walk like visibly to the middle of the, the sanctuary and oh someone goodness. had to make room for us. And we, you know, we had to walk into a pew. So it was, it was like, it was clear to the whole church there were people turning around just to it, we were like the sun like you you can't look straight at the sun you have to get a get a glimpse like just quick glimpse of it to make sure it's there and then you know okay it's there yeah it's, that's happening so that's the kind of looks we were getting it was like a oh wow they're <laughs> wow he's here wow and then you can see their necks stiffen like okay oh no okay, this, is, this is happening here how awkward um and, well and I, bet, I bet i bet they thought you were about to like like stand, stand up, up and start, and start shouting yeah because they you and, know they might have well, i think they probably were expecting me to show up in a in a jesuit clerical collar <laughs> or something i don't know if the presenter went on he he saw me too and he just plowed on with his presentation and it was about us and uh and look here so here's the turning point in that experience so i knew when i sat down crud not only not only did i do this <laughs> Now I got to sit through three hours of very boring. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you already know about us. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and you know, and sitting there, I had this, I had this overwhelming sense that God, that Jesus needed me to love these people too. Mm. Come on. And that he, that he died for them too. And that I, I couldn't, I couldn't hate them. Um, and so I spent the rest of those hours just praying for them, wow. praying that they may see a better picture of the good news of the gospel, that they may somehow walk away from this thing, not divided in their heart or radicalized in a way that would ruin them and their family or their children for forever. Um, and I think... I think I was able, I mean, my prayer was just, God, just help me to love these people. And I think I was able to. Mm. And I, and up to that point, I had lived in such fear and anger and such a toxic world of the us versus them that was destroying me. Yeah. Wow. So. That's huge, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, I walked up to the presenters and I asked for a meeting and they all said no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of them was at a table selling a book about us. So he's, <laughs> he's handing a book. It's, it's now you know, after sundown, obviously, and, and taking money and handing a book and taking money. And I said, hey, could we just find a few minutes? Uh, I don't have time right now. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll make time tomorrow, breakfast. Tomorrow, can you... And, and they all said, no, that's fascinating. That's, yeah. that's, that's fascinating. What's fascinating to me is I'm not even interested in enough in us to write a book about us. <laughs> I don't and find I'm, this interesting I'm, I'm enough one to write of us. a book about us. <laughs> I'm one of us. <laughs> no, that's a weird, that's a weird moment. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that, that, Listen, I don't know that I don't know that we changed lives. Maybe we changed them for the better. Maybe we changed them for the worse in certain respects. But I know this: we got to speak about the passion of our hearts, the passion that we have for Christ. We got to speak about it in different countries. We got to speak about it in front of thousands of people. Um, and I know for me, so in the midst of this, just real quick, I stepped out of pastoral ministry in 2012, and I went to work for Loma Linda University Health and their healthcare system, working in faith and health. And I spent two and a half years out of, out of the work, if you will. Mm. And um, I think part of my desire to go back into the work, lots of, lots of things played into it, but my desire to come back into pastoral ministry, one was that I just felt, hadn't felt like I had fulfilled my calling. I hadn't been a lead pastor yet, and I, wasn't, you know, I wanted to try that professionally, see if I could do it, and um, my competence in that. But also I, I had this strong sense that, if we could if we could grow a church if we could pastor a church based on the principles that we had been talking about for the last at that point for the last 4 years 5 years 5 years um what would happen i want to see what would happen like we we've talked about mm -hmm. this philosophically and ideologically and theologically what happened if we went and built a church with you know with good design principles with good good strategy and forethought but also with this you know 
laser-like focus on who Jesus is and, and that deep desire that people know him and to change the change, you know, the concept of evangelism, moving that from, you know, a professional competency to the desire of a heart of a congregation that they might know Jesus, you know, creating a place where the love for Christ is first and foremost. And we fight for that. Like that's the hill we're going to die on. We're not going to die on all those other hills. We're going to let a lot of stuff go. We're going to let a lot of criticism go. But this thing like will, will, get kicked out of the denomination for loving Jesus. Because if a, if a denomination is going to kick you out for that, that's a worthwhile reason to leave that denomination. Yes. And, um, I mean, like that was the, that was the principles that were instilled in my heart through the one project and stepping into this little church crosswalk, um, with 85 people my first day and wow. making a clear, like a, a clarion call, like this is what we're going to be about. And it's going to play out like this and outreach It's going to play out like this in community engagement. It's going to play out like this in worship. It's going to play out like this in the way that we do things and the excellence in which we take these things. Um, I could not have known mm. that that would not only be so attractive to people, but that would be life giving people who hadn't been in church in 25 years and didn't hate, didn't hate Jesus, but couldn't take the church anymore. Um, you know, mm. the, the overwhelming amount of relief. We had people walk into our lobby and sob before they stepped into a worship service just because of the way that they were greeted and the, and the different sense of the spirit of the Holy Spirit that was here. And, and just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're the only place that did it or we did it right or we did it better. I can tell you why, you know, when people come and say, what make Crosswalk Church successful? You know, they're always like, How, what drums, you know, what kind of drums do you have? What kind of lighting did you use? What kind of, and I'm always like, you know, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the mm -hmm. content, man. And maybe we put some new wine skin, but it was new wine for people, right? The, the concept of Jesus unfettered by the trappings of our, you know, of our particular tribe or the, uh, the history or the, you know, the, the fear, all that, just preaching Jesus in the midst and also preaching really good doctrine and really good theology and and but but always focusing back on Jesus man the the explosive growth that crosswalk felt over that time was mm -hmm. simply because we decided okay we got to put up or shut up if this mm -hmm. is what we're about this is what we're going to be about and we're and if and if we shut the church down because this has been our focus then we'll know Right. We'll know that Jesus is no longer attractive or Jesus is no longer all because people want a different conversation or want more of a conversation or want, you know, they want the eschatology without the Jesus. They want all that. Turns out, and I can say this after mm -hmm. six years at this church, turns out Jesus is all. That's mm -hmm. what people want. That's what people are interested in. And mm -hmm. um, and any church will grow that is giving the gospel hmm. without without agenda, without um without any, without any nefariousness, if you just give the gospel, people will be attracted because the gospel leaves you to more love. The gospel leaves you to more grace, to more compassion, to a better, to, to a better excellence in your professionalism, in the way that you mm. do things. Like all of that is in, in, encapsulated in what we talked about in the one project and it's real. And I can say that, you know, 100% because we went from those 85 people that first day to seven campuses, to 4,000 people watching every single week, um, you know, mm. over, over the time to, you know, from sh a church that was ready to shut down in a couple months to a church that is going to far outla outlast me um, mm. Mm. if they maintain the focus 
of what we've set up here over the last six years. And I'm so grateful to God for, um, for being true to his promise. Hmm. Hmm. And I think in the end, like this is not rocket science. What we did with the one project wasn't, it's not rocket science. What we did, you know, here at Crosswalk or what we've done in all of our ministries, it's not rocket science. Preach Jesus. Don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to preach him week after week after week after week after week after year. Because if people are getting tired, tired of Jesus, then you're not, then you don't know him. Mm-hmm. You haven't met him. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyway, mm-hmm. that's, that's my take on it. Uh, so such a good take brother such a good take such a good take you know we often talk about we should close but we often talk about um and uh, this this is another moment of honesty we talk about the dna of our church so something something's wrong with it at the mm-hmm. at the dna level it needs to be reconfigured but i th- i don't think i think not tim i think our dna is actually it's actually good because it's there this stuff is there Mm-hmm. in our history yeah i mean the, the most adventist thing you could say is is um is ellen white and she's she titled her book about jesus the desire of ages this is like this is right. the desire this is what people are clamoring for and have always clamored for is jesus right and you're right it wasn't rocket science but but um but it was it was um yeah what a ride <laughs> What a ride. I, I think it was you who said a long time ago, you said, he must increase, we must decrease. Um, we we did nothing but say that. But that was that was the well, heart of our message. Just to be clear, I... I that John, 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 John the Baptist said that. I get that, but you... <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What well, I, thank you. Wow. <laughs> to be included is incredible. Um, you, pre, you, pre, you preached it. And, and I the way I... You want the way I heard it was right. That's what we're saying. And until they behead us, like they did right. John the Baptist, right? We haven't been through anything yet. Yeah, we we keep going. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? Those. You know, if if the legacy of my life is that I preach Jesus too much, like put that on my tombstone. Yes, that's okay. You yes. know, and and the beauty is that that's not. That's not a pulpiteering thing, right? That's mm-hmm. not that's not a that's not the the work of the pulpit. Even though I mean, of course, it is the work of the pulpit, but that is not exclusively the work of the pulpit. That is the work of our lives as Christians, and yes. and um, it, everything that we do, if it's not leading to that, then I think we need to we probably need to take that term Christian pretty lightly. Mm. Um, because we're not, we're not doing justice to what it means because what it means is to show Christ means that you're a follower of Christ and everything you do reflects that. And if we're not, if we're distracted by anything else, man, like let's probably get a different name, you know, because in the end, and I've said this a million times in the end, the term Christian is not a label we get to put on ourselves. It's a verdict that the world gives us by how they see Christ through us. Yes. And, and, um, you know, I'd be fine if that's all it said, you know, he followed whatever. That'd be good. It's a good verdict. Anyway, anyway, we've been going for a while. This is the longest, this is a long one. 
This will be the longest podcast yeah. we've ever recorded. Thanks for wow. sticking around, dear listener, if you made it this far. <laughs> Listen, Sam, um, we've got to do some work on some more topics coming up because... Oh, I got ideas. You got ideas? Good. Good. Yeah. Hey, Let's I want to... Can I, th- can, I, can I pitch one other thing here at the end if anyone has a little... No, no. How, how dare you do this at the very end? <laughs> of course. Uh, um, I permit so, it. So... So in the midst of this, um, of all these conversations, someone everyone here knows quite well, Alex Bryan and I have been having a conversation about maybe, maybe going a little deeper theologically in some of, the, some of the things that he and I have a tendency to kind of wax eloquent theologically, um, very differently than you and I do, Sam. We, I've always thought that our conversations are a little more kind of practical theology. Alex and I, like, we don't, like, we don't need to like it it can all be ideological and um it's really fun so we actually just started a podcast that should be coming out um by the time this comes out it should be out at least called unapologetics um Mm. because we're not Mm. just doing apologetics that's not what we're trying to do so um but we are talking about things kind of unapologetically so that should be coming out on um all of our platforms as well so if you want to spend a little more time together dear listener um but we don't we don't call you dear listener on the other podcast because this that's your only dear listeners for this podcast this Sam and Tim Tim and Sam podcast. Um, but would love to have you check it out. Let us know. Um, and if you hate it, don't ever listen to it again. Come back to Tim and Sam. But I want to know that these are not mutually exclusive podcasts. You don't have to choose one or the other. You can listen to oh. both. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Wow. Well, I would hate somebody to leave us and this conversation to go into a different conversation. Listen, you're, I, I'm going to tune into your other conversation. I'm super interested. And, and I live through these. So that gives an idea. <laughs> you live through these. <laughs> is, is that how you feel like you survived a conversation with me? <laughs> I will say this. We don't laugh the same way. We don't laugh the same way. Alex is not nearly as jokey as you and I are. Oh, wow. I hope that means... That, that, that you don't think that there's too much levity in this podcast because, you know, we can be profound too. Listen, I breathe. This levity gives me life. I've been telling people that the, I, love, I love a lot of the things that I do in life, but, but one of the things I love most of all is when we get together and do this podcast, Sam. I do too, Tim. It's I do really too. fun. It's highlight highlight of my week, brother. It's good times. All right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for being a part of this. This is Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam um, coming at you. Stay tuned for more, more good stuff as time goes on. Our podcast and its theme music is produced by Michael Lenore and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California, and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N-T-I-M.com.